All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is the Jason Greger Show. Here's an opportunity for the Oilers, and they score! Guess who it is? Zach Hyman with his 18th of the season. Presented by PlayAlberta.ca, Alberta's only regulated online gambling website. Play action for the 35, Lawrence. Fires On Sports 1440. And the Oilers Nation YouTube channel. Mark Dangle not using a timeout. SGA. Probing. Piercing. Spinning. Hanging. For the lead. And SGA knocks it down. With just under a second to go. A good afternoon and happy positive Friday here on the Jason Gregor Show brought to you by PlayAlberta.ca. Lots of fun to be had on Play Alberta. Make sure you use your game sense when you do so. But we got college football, NHL action, the NFL as we wind down there. Lots of options for single game parlays. You got the over under, you got the casino. PlayAlberta.ca. Use your game sense. My name is Connor Halley. Sitting in for Jason Greger today, we've also got Brandon Douglas alongside with us as we've got an absolutely great show coming your way live from the Ewell Studios here at West Edmonton Mall. Of course, you can always get a hold of us at the Jiffy Lube inbox, 1-833-401-1440. Lots to get to on the program today. Of course, the Edmonton Oilers with a nice 5-0 win over the San Jose Sharks last night down in San Jose, a game that uh, Jason Greger, I think, summed it up very well on Twitter last night. Why couldn't they have done this last time? Would have saved him from growing out that hair, but uh, the Oilers get a little bit of revenge and probably something we should have seen coming. We'll dig into that as well as preview the Edmonton Oilers weekend because they've got a lot going on. Two games in Southern California. Nice for them. They won't have to travel very far when they play the LA Kings on Saturday and then the Anaheim Ducks on Sunday we're going to preview that all and a whole lot more on the show. We've got Kevin Woodley joining us from In Goal Magazine coming up in about 15 minutes' time. Also, we'll hear another edition of Cam Tate's Two Minute Warning. Paul Sir will join us, longtime pro and a coach player in the basketball world, very heavily involved in three-on-three. He'll join us at 2.45 to talk a little association at 3 o'clock. We'll open it up again. Take your text at 3.20. We'll be jumping 
into the Oilers. We'll talk all about their opponents coming up in the next couple of days here. John Hoven from Mayor's Manor will join us to talk about the LA Kings. Then at 340, Alexis Downey, host of the pre and post game shows on Duckstream, will join us to talk about those Anaheim Ducks who knocked off the Vegas Knights in convincing fashion a couple of evenings ago. Four goals in the first period. Hopefully they got all their goals out of the way. So when the Oilers play, then it'll be a nice, easy one. We shall see what happens at 4 o'clock. We'll be joined by Wanye Gretz of Oilers Nation, our co-host on Fridays from 4 till 6. We'll hear from Craig Button from the NHL on TSN. Of course, he covers the World Juniors as well. Not going Canada's way right now as they, I believe, are still trailing host Sweden 2-0. We'll uh, recap that game with Mr. Craig Button at 4.40. We'll have five questions. And then at 5 o'clock, it's Mark Spector of Rogers Sportsnet and Jason Greger of five, uh, 5.20 from Oilers Nation and Daily Faceoff. Again, uh, text one 401 Perplexed Oilers fan says Canada looks so terrible against Sweden. I can see it. We kind of talked about that yesterday on the show. You know, the wins were nice. Beating up on Latvia is cool. The first game against Finland You'll take it, but, I mean, this is the major test, the third game, uh, the home country hosting. So uh, probably a little bit tougher for Canada. We'll see, you know, how they're able to bounce back going forward. Who knows? I don't know, Brandon. Do we do we have a official time clock on that one? Do we know how much is left in that game? Canada-Sweden? Vince Carter meme. It's, it's over? It's over. So they lost 2 nothing. 2 rip. Final score from Gothenburg. That sounds about right. I, w- I was going to say, you know, you're only two shots away, but in this case, no, they, they've they lost. It is over. Canada drops to 2-1. and one. So far at the World Juniors, you know, it would be totally different if Connor Bedard was there. He wouldn't let this happen. He'd be scoring goals. Unfortunately, he's just uh, lighting it up with the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, but, hey, I did tweet it out last night. Evan Bouchard, two more points than Connor Bedard right now. It doesn't mean anything. Bouchard's, you know, a much older player, more developed Bedard is 18 and lighting it up as a rookie, but the stats do not lie. Evan Bouchard right now, two points up on Bedard, a couple points up on a few of his teammates as well. Uh, Dr. Gonzo on YouTube. Hello. Happy positive Friday. KQ on YouTube as well. Says the refs suck. You know what? Sure. I don't know what we're blaming the refs for. Maybe the, uh, the game Canada taken on Sweden, that could be part of it, but Elaborate. Let us know what is going on and why you think the refs suck. Uh, let's jump into last night's action, the Edmonton Oilers and the San Jose Sharks. It was an 8.30 start, which for a lot of people isn't ideal, but I do think a lot of people on holidays, on vacation, maybe had a chance to stay up late and watch that one. And for the Edmonton Oilers, uh, exactly what they had to do. I said it this morning with Kevin Carius. I don't think we need to heap the praise on the Edmonton Oilers for what they did in San Jose. San Jose is a struggling team. Obviously, losers of uh, now, I believe, eight straight when it comes down to it. They have a hard time putting the puck in the back of the net. They have a hard time keeping the puck out of their net. And that was uh, even more so shown when they throw in a guy who played, you know, half a game of NHL experience and uh, Mr. Magnus Krona. He also, you know, played in the East Coast League this year, the AHL. So the San Jose Sharks are basically running on fumes, probably hoping for that lottery pick and uh, getting that number one overall selection in hopes that it could change their their future down the road. Uh, but they're just not a very good hockey team. And yes, they beat the Oilers earlier on in the season, but the Oilers are in a different place. And, you know, you're starting to get some depth scoring from this Oilers team. How nice was it to see Ryan McLeod? get that early goal. He's got, what, three goals in the opening minute of games this season? And, you know, you can just see the confidence in him starting to grow when he gets that puck crossing the blue line and, you know, almost no hesitation. I think two weeks ago he would have taken that puck around the net, would have been kind of just a wasted opportunity, but he he picks his spot, he takes the shot, scores, gives the Oilers that early one nothing lead, uh, and they don't stop there. The two-on-one goal, I thought it was a nice play from Darnell on the other side of his own blue line to break up the, the rush. Oilers go the other way. Connor McDavid with a fantastic finish to Zach Hyman, who drove the net, established body position, and kind of got that tap in. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl's goal was nice. Really liked what I saw from Warren Fogle on that play. We saw Evan Bouchard letting one rip, and then the fifth goal, yeah, kind of an ugly one, but that's okay. You know, they don't ask how. They ask how many, and the Oilers got the 5-0 win, and that's what they should have done against the San Jose Sharks. Now they turn their attention to the Los Angeles Kings tomorrow night. That's going to be one heck of a game. And I want to ask you this because we'll, we'll talk about it throughout this show, are the LA Kings rivals? I mean, there was some bad blood going in the last two playoff series. I think 
two years ago, we we thought the Oilers would run away with that series. They did. Last year, I thought the Kings might put up a, a good fight, which I think they did. But do do you dislike the LA Kings? I see it for with the Vegas Knights because the Vegas Golden Knights knocked out the Oilers last year in the playoffs. But I haven't really seen that with the LA Kings. So when we have John Hoven on, I'm going to ask him and just say, do, do the Kings fan base look at the Edmonton Oilers as a rival? I'm curious. I, I don't know if it's there. Maybe it's because the Oilers did win the last two series. You talk to Dallas Stars fans going back to the 90s, and you know they, they said like it wasn't that big of a rivalry for their side. I grew up hating the Dallas Stars. Darian Hatcher, Zubov, Madano, anyone like that. Belfour did not like them because for the most part, the most part, they got the win. So let us know. one 401 The Jiffy Loop inbox. Are the LA Kings a rival? And will we see any bad blood tomorrow night? I hope so. It'd make entertaining hockey. Brandon Douglas alongside with me. Brandon, uh, you look at this LA Kings team. You're a Ducks fan. So you, you don't really have a horse in the race here, but do you think the Oilers and Kings meeting two straight years in the playoffs, is there any rivalry growing? I, I think it naturally breeds a rivalry, especially like this was the whole purpose of the NHL's new version of scheduling, right? Is to the, the, for, the playoff format, you play division rivals in the first round of the playoffs. Um, and it, it, I think it has succeeded at least in this specific matchup. Uh, uh, look at, uh, I mean, the Vegas has kind of become a rival, uh, even just mm-hmm. from basically the, course of one play uh the petrangelo slash on leon i think um two playoff series uh, and it was physical it was fast yes the oilers got the better of them so i think you might be onto something there with the, the dallas stars comparison from the previous generation of oilers is that the oilers have been on the plus side of this they've kind of had their way with the kings a little bit and yes it's been close and been uh, hardly uh, hard contested but the kings probably look at oilers fans as more of rivals than yeah. maybe vice versa I, I think you hit that really well yeah I mean and I don't know too many Dallas Stars fans but I, I can tell you I've seen on social media they look back at those Oilers Stars series from the 90s early 2000s and it's kind of like yeah it, it, we met a lot but there wasn't really a big rivalry Oilers fans I know didn't look at it that way I know Oilers fans to this day have a little bit of a bad taste in their mouth when it comes to those Dallas Stars hockey clubs that for the most part ran kind of ran the show but we always had Marchand and uh, the Cujo say we, we have those good memories that we can hang on to as Edmonton Oilers fans. Uh, we got the NFL last night. Uh, if you missed it, we we might have had low expectations for this one just because the the history, you know, some of the injuries that are going on with these two teams and their star quarterbacks. But the Cleveland Browns clinch a playoff spot. They do so, I'll say, on the back of their defense and their franchise quarterback, Joe Flacco. It's too bad they gave all that guaranteed money to Deshaun Watson because Joe Flacco was right there for picking up. Uh, He threw three touchdowns, 300 yards. Did anyone start Joe Flacco in fantasy? Because if you did, bravo. Very good move. Uh, He was fantastic over 300 passing yards. In the victory for the New York Jets, I don't know. It might be kind of similar to how I am with the Chargers where maybe they just want to lose some games. Although they did keep that first-round pick because Aaron Rodgers didn't play the, the certain amount of snaps that it would have been. Uh, but for the, the Cleveland Browns, that's a very interesting story going into the playoffs. What can they do? Likely be a road game for them. Uh, we shall see what happens to the Baltimore Ravens and the remainder of their season. And then Trevor Lawrence, you know, he's going to miss this weekend's game with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's been ruled out. C.J. Beathard will get the start. We'll have to ask Gregor about that one because I believe his quarterbacks for fantasy were Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence. That's going to raise some questions for what he might do. Maybe Easton Stick out there. Maybe that could be someone he goes after. But yeah, the the playoff picture in the AFC and the NFC as a whole is going to be very interesting to follow because you've got the Jags, the Texans, and the Colts all right there in the AFC South, Brandon. Uh, I believe Jason Greger picked up Jared Stidham. Um, as uh, this morning, Kevin Carries, who plays in the same league and went 0-18 this season. Pretty impressive. That, it is very impressive. Um, he, he was running over Gregor's roster this morning because Gregor and the his opponent in the finals of their league apparently are the two guys that have never won. Okay. So Jason looking for his first championship. So Kevin's very invested in uh, you know breaking down his roster because he, he doesn't want Gregor to have this one up on him. Kevin has won before, but if Gregor gets the W and combined with Carries' own 18, um, you know, quite a bit of a smack talking could occur. Uh, but if Gregor loses, then, you know, you lose, whether you go 0-18 or lose in the final, a loser's a loser all the same, uh, depending on your payout <laughs> structure, I guess. But uh, that being said, I believe he did mention that uh, Jared Stidham is who uh, Gregor might have picked up uh, heading into this final weekend. 
I mean, you got Cortland Sutton, or is he going to play? I don't know. Jerry Judy. I would have gone with Easton Stick, but it is that Chargers defense. I'm going with Jaron Hall. Are you? I think I'm going to start him in my uh, second QB spot. Playing with the Vikings. You got Jefferson. You got Addison. That could be a good spot. You've got a lot of weapons around you. So, uh, but back to your original point. Um, yeah, I, I've I've loved this NFL season because there haven't been runaways. Like these last few weeks of the season actually matter more than just maybe who gets the one seed or, or who finishes uh, atop a specific division. Every single spot basically is still up for grabs. Um, there's a couple clinch divisions, of course, but outside of that. It's uh, everybody's still playing for something, and a couple teams are still losing for something as they try to slide down the the rankings to uh, get a higher pick to try and secure. We talked about it a lot yesterday. A lot of teams probably looking for a, a franchise quarterback coming out of this upcoming uh, spring's draft. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be really cool to see what happens, and we love the NFL because the last couple of weeks you get those divisional matchups that can be so crucial four teams trying to get into the playoffs or you know win their division it can always matter so gonna be a fun weekend in the nfl a couple decks to get to before we throw it to break here graham says i still hate dallas and colorado from the 90s for some reason i'm pretty indifferent to carolina yeah i mean for me personally growing up an oilers fan uh, the dallas colorado teams we certainly hated the call or the carolina I kind of just forgot about Game 7. I've said that before. I don't remember Game 7, the final, or anything. So it is hard for me to say exactly, like, do I hate Carolina? No, I don't think I do. Dallas and Colorado, absolutely, Graham. I'm with you. And Coach Mike says, would you keep McLeod on the wing for the time being? Heck yeah. Heck yeah, I would. Uh, simplify the game a little bit for him. Let, it, let him use his natural attributes, his speed, that shot. I mean, this guy was a second-round pick. He's got the ability you know, to be a good player in the NHL. And if you can take a little bit of responsibility off him, do it and just let him play, especially, you know, four goals in his last three games. There's no way he's going to keep up that pace. It'd be awesome if he did. He just had like a, an explosion and just burst onto the scene and became a new star. We're not going to count on that, but if he can chip in a couple of goals, you know, here and there, it's going to go a long way. And the Oilers need that. They need depth scoring. We know they can get the top end scoring, but uh, it's just, you know, goes a long way for them going forward. Also uh, defending. Defending is also pretty key. So they got to keep that going as well. Uh, we got a great show coming up for you today. Kevin Woodley of In Goal Magazine will join us next. We've also got Cam Tate and the two minute warning. Paul Sir, former pro basketball player and coach. John Hoven from Mayor's Matter will join us to preview Oilers and Kings. We'll stay in Southern California California for the uh, Ducks and the uh, pre and post game host Alexis Downey. She'll join us at 340. Wanya Gretz will be by at 4 o'clock. Craig Button at 420. Speck at 5 and Jason Greger at 520. A whole lot of stuff to get to. Uh, so we will take a break. It is the Jason Greger show coming to you live from the Ewell studio brought to you by playalberta.ca. Welcome back to the Jason Greger Show here on Sports 1440, brought to you by PlayAlberta.ca. Connor Halley, Brandon Douglas with you, sitting in for Jason Greger, who will return in the new year. He'll actually join us at 520 as well. Uh, the coaching commitment got in the way today. We'll see how the squad did today. Yesterday he talked about it. Close game. They lost their first one, but then a big blowout in game two. So we'll get a we'll get a little fill on what's going on with the uh, the young squad for uh, Jason Greger and his team still to come. We'll also be joined by John Hoven, Alexis Downey, Wanya Gratz, Craig Button, Speck, Paul Sir, Cam Tate. A whole lot going on on this positive Friday here on the Jason Greger Show. Of course, you can always reach us at the Jiffy Lube inbox, one 401 1440 And remember, if you do want to uh, book that oil change, you can do so at jiffylubeservice.ca. Right now, we'll get to our big guest of the day, brought to you by Silent Ice. They've expanded and now own the JPHL, an academy-style approach for U14, U15, and U18 players with a focus on skill development and education. Learn more at Junior Prospect Hockey League. Com. We bring in Kevin Woodley of NHL.com and In Goal Magazine. Kevin, good afternoon. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. It's good to join you on a Friday. Sort of, you know, normally we're just starting the week, the grind, when, I, when I'm with you guys on Monday. So Friday, you know, it's relaxed. I'm a little more chilled today. <laughs> Absolutely. We're wrapping it all up. And we do appreciate you coming on, of course. Uh, no show on Monday, and then we don't have a show next Monday as well. So we'll have to accommodate and try to get you on again. But, Kevin, I want to start off with the Oilers' AHL options. And, uh, you know, when you look at this organization as a whole and the goaltending, you know, Stuart Skinner has shown in maybe in glimpses, not as consistent as we would have liked, that he can be the guy. Uh, we've started to see Cal Pickard get some chances and look good when he's been called upon. But down in the AHL, there is kind of an intriguing debate going on with how do you handle Jack Campbell and that contract, as well as the youngster in Olivier Rodriguez. What can you tell us about the battle going on down with the Condors? 
Well, you know, first off, um, full disclosure, nothing on personal observations, right? Just having you get busy. Um, there's so so much time focused on the NHL for me that it's really hard to sort of find the time to dig into the video, and I don't have it as readily available. Um, you know, or the advanced stats because ClearSight Analytics works exclusively in the National Hockey League. So I haven't been able to just sort of do any. This isn't personal research, but I, I was able to reach out because we've had this question for the past couple of weeks, uh, you know, from listeners. I was able to reach out to some other American Hockey League goalie coaches that have been through Bakersfield or had Bakersfield in town over the past month or so and just asked them, hey, like, what have you seen from both guys? And, you know, it's interesting. Um, there is a sentiment from those that have watched Campbell, including some that have watched him in practice, that like it's just not necessarily getting better down there. And so the assumption that he'd be an option back up in the NHL at this point, you know, again, according to some of the other, other goalie coaches and you know, the top of my head, the guys that I talked to, like, you know, at least a couple of them played in the league, like they, they know what it looks like. They know what NHL goaltending looks like. And he's not giving it to them right now. There's a real, you know, in 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 the words of one, it, it looks like he's just struggling to find his foundation and the inconsistency, um, getting beat on clean shots, clean looks, uh, just the kind of thing you can't have at the National Hockey League level. Now, I've said, you know, that he's a goalie that has, you know, a strong read element to his game, and that's part of the challenge of being in the American Hockey League when when you're a guy that sort of relies on that. Uh, it is a bit more of a, a scrambly league. It's a league of mistakes. Young players make more mistakes, and so it's a little tougher to read off that behind it as a goaltender. But when you're getting beat off straight releases in straight lines and beat clean, that's not a good sign. And so, you know, pretty much every guy I talk to down there that had watched him didn't think he's going to, you know, don't think that at least right now he's an option to come back up to the National Hockey League. And of course, that leads to questions about Olivier Rodrigue, who has outplayed Jack Campbell down there, and could he be an option? And the consensus I've got from a couple of guys is he's the option they would choose first, not necessarily ahead of Calvin Picard, but if you needed one of the two, they'd give him a look ahead of Campbell with a couple of caveats. One, really good in straight lines, less so once you go east-west. Now, the Oilers have done such a better job since the coaching change of eliminating the east-west plays, especially off the rush that off the rush story that plagued them early in the season. Um, but once you get into those, there's a tendency for him to be behind laterally or get spread out, opened up, and, and end up on his stomach on those lateral plays. And that's something that if you're if that's happening to you, the, the American League level, maybe reads will allow you to beat those plays better at the NHL if it's, if it's cleaner and easier to make those reads. But it's a tendency that will probably get exploited even more up here. So that's sort of the caveat I got from the guys that have watched him a lot closer than me. And you know, I think the one that you know has to be a little I don't know frustrating or um, what word you'd use to describe it, but the fact that none of them really saw Jack as an option to come up. Uh, is is probably a little disheartening. I, I think it's disheartening if if you're a fan of good people like Jack Campbell is. Uh, you hoped he'd get things together to the point where he became an option for them, and it, it certainly doesn't sound like that's happening. Yeah, for sure, uh, disappointing. I I know the fan base here for the most part rooting for him when he had the shutout down there people were very thrilled about that, and then just to see how it's kind of gone since then, not necessarily ideal. Now. Uh, Kevin Stewart Skinner last night shut out against the San Jose Sharks, so I think people might hold that against him. I, I, I'm okay with it. You get a shout out in the NHL, you had a pretty good game. Uh, he also had the victory against the New York Rangers, uh, a couple late goals, but I uh, didn't hurt them in the end. Uh, when you look at Stewart Skinner and what he's been able to do, uh, I guess relative to the environment, uh, what have your thoughts been about his play? Well, you know, it's interesting because if you go back to the start of the coaching change, and I remember being on a couple of weeks ago and running the numbers, and he was still underwater. Like, he was still below expected, but uh, this last little while, statistically, he's starting to profile more like the guy we saw down the stretch last year. I don't care if it's the Sharks. It's, they still generated six high-danger chances and you know, close to two-and-a-half expected goals, and he didn't give up any, right? So um, his numbers over the past month, I, I think after the coaching change, there was that East Coast trip uh, where some of the habits were still there, right? Still the bad turnovers in the offensive zone leading to the odd man rushes the other way. Uh, a lot of open looks in east-west plays. And, hey, listen, if you're going to give that up in today's NHL, most goalies are going to give up goals. But I think in Skinner's case, like you're, you're even more so playing away from his strengths if you're going to get into rush games, right? Like he is, 
He's an in-zone goaltender. That's where he's at his best. And that's not a criticism. Like, everybody has strengths and weaknesses. Those are his strengths. Since they started playing more to his strengths in this past month, um, you know, the numbers are really good. He's almost a full, uh, more than 2.1% above expected. Like, that puts you, you know, in the territory of a Jacob Markstrom, of an Andre Vasilevsky, of a Connor Hellebuck over the past month of the season, Linus Allmark. Like, that's that's up there with the best. And that's kind of... You know, in the territory that we saw down the stretch last season, because you know, remember, I was kind of sort of giving these caveats last year too. The Oilers were so good defensively that some of his raw numbers, you know, All Star game and things like that, like they weren't purely a product of the team system. Because as a rookie, to do what he was doing is impressive, even just to hold water. But he wasn't outplaying the environment for most of the year, and then sort of after the the trade deadline, he really did start outplaying the environment, and he's kind of back to that guy. So that's a positive if you're the Oilers. Like, he looks more like a guy you could ride into the playoffs. Still think you need a better second option, frankly. Um, you know, the underlying profile on, on, on Calvin Pickard isn't, you know, it's kind of trended the other way. And he's been asked to do, you know, tough job to, to start every once in a while. Still think you need to find a way to get a guy that's going to allow you to rest Skinner and give you a plan B come the playoffs. But Skinner looks again like a guy who could be a really good option as a plan A. We're joined by Kevin Woodley here on the Jason Greger Show. Connor Halley sitting in with Brandon Douglas. You can get Kevin's work at Ingle Magazine and NHL.com. Now, the Oilers' opponent this weekend, or one of the opponents, Kevin, would be the Los Angeles Kings, Cam Talbot, Phoenix Copley, handling the majority of the starts there for the Kings. What are your thoughts on their play so far this season? Well, Copley's up for the season, so they're going to be <laughs> looking for some options here. So um, I'd be curious to see. I, I want to see more of David Riddich, and I think you know Riddich is a guy who has high upside um, but in key moments over his career, his, you know, when games are close, on the line, up by a goal, uh, or tied, late in periods, things like that, like you can actually look at his performance in those moments and the numbers crater. So that's, I think if you're the Kings, I'm not sure how you feel about him as a plan B. I think the question mark for them is if they are going to add a goaltender, and I think they have to because they've got cup aspirations and you need more depth. And, you know, we talk about the Oilers really maybe only having one guaranteed guy. I think you need more than two. Um, the question for me in L.A. is, do they look to upgrade on the number one? And I say that, I think last I checked, you know, pre-Christmas vacation, wasn't Camp, Camp Talbot was running at 930. Um, you know, the fact they're even asking that question tells you how much of that is environment. Or do they just settle with, a, with you know, find a, a more secure or more stable or just another option in the 1B? So I can't answer which way they'll go, but they're definitely looking. Um, in the meantime, Talbots, you know, whatever the raw numbers are, like I said, last I checked, it was a 930. It's probably come down with the last couple of games. Yeah, 924 right now. Yeah, but so much of that. Like, that's good, right? Like, yeah. Probably top 10 in the league. This is the, this is the, this is, this is the warning I gave on Jack Campbell before the Oilers signed him. His numbers grayed out in the 30s. Like, he hasn't been bad. He's been better than expected but at about little less than 1%. Like, so, you know, in that sort of 30 range in the league, it, it reminds me a lot of Jack, like totally different goaltender, um, a lot more technique and structure and a really good fit behind L.A. We're just getting to your spots on a lot of nights is all you need to do behind such a great defense. Um, but the numbers that you see, you know, top 10 in the league and in, in the raw numbers are more reflective of the team system and, and you know, you can you can fool yourself into thinking it's all goaltending when a guy's playing as well as he is, uh, but this is where the numbers really matter. This is this is why you don't give Jack Campbell five times five because so much of it was the environment in front of him. Um, and I think if you're the Kings, you're asking that same question right now. Like, hey, if we get into the playoffs, can we continue to give Cam Talbot what has been basically the best defensive environment, the highest expected save percentage? of any starter in the National Hockey League? Or are we going to, if teams find a way to, like the Oilers did in the playoffs last year on the power play, if they find a way to open up and create space, do we need another level of goaltending to sort of be able to handle that? So um, I'm curious to see which way they go with that question. In the meantime, like, he's he's been fine. He's been good. It's just the raw numbers can make you think he's been great. And you just don't need that in L.A. 
Kevin, thanks so much for doing this today. Really appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate you all you've done for us uh, this last year, uh, sticking with us with a jump over to 1440. Have a happy new year, and we'll talk to you, I, I hope, next week. I think we should be okay if you can make some time for us. Absolutely. Love to, Connor. I'm, uh, I'm at the Winter Classic on the first anyway, so being a day off uh, for you guys works for me. Um, we'll, we'll connect later in the week. Have a great new year, and thanks for, uh, for everything over, to, over 2023. Absolutely. There you go. That is Kevin Woodley of Ingoal Magazine and NHL. Dot com. Appreciate him coming in here, talking a little bit about the Oilers' goaltending situation down in Bakersfield. He's our big guest of the day, brought to you by Silent Rides, one of Alberta's premier bus charter companies with state-of-the-art motor coaches safely taking your team or group to their next destination. Visit silentrides.ca for more info. A couple texts coming in here into the Jiffy Lube inbox, one 401 Jeff says, and this is in regards to the Oilers and potentially keeping McLeod on the wing, Oilers will still need a third center unless you put Holloway in McLeod's spot. Yeah, I mean, uh, Mike or Coach Mike brought that up for the short term. Certainly, I, I think, you know, the way McLeod's playing, not a bad idea to keep him on the wing. Yeah, well, you, you will need a third line center. I'm sure, again, at some point, we'll see Nuge potentially drawn down the middle and they'll move things around. Maybe they'll look to acquire a third line center. And Googie or Googie, one day I'm going to get your name, my friend. Carolina isn't a rival because a team that runs and injured your starting goalie to win a cup ain't even worth a mention. <sighs> Man, that one takes me back. I do remember that. I have forgotten about Game 7, but I do remember the Dwayne Rollison injury, and uh, UC gave it all he could. Ty Conklin gave it all he could. just wasn't enough. Anyways, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk to uh, Cam Talbot for the two, or not Cam Talbot, Cam Tate for the two-minute warning. I got I got the Talbot on my mind. And we'll also be joined by Paul, sir, former pro and uh, coach, longtime basketball player in the city, Europe, all over the place. We'll get a look around the NBA as well. You're listening to the Jason Greger Show live on Sports 1440 and the Oilers Nation YouTube channel. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. 241, it is the Jason Greger Show here on Sports 1440. Connor Halley and Brandon Douglas sitting in today. Greger off. He will join us at 520, but uh, he will return to the show when we all come back on Tuesday, January 2nd. Uh, we will be off on Monday. It'll be Fox Sports Radio all day long. The text line one 401 If you'd like to get in on the action here and join us, we're coming to you live from the UL studio where the worlds of electricity and sports collide. Stay plugged in as we power up your day in the latest sports updates, ewel.ca. Oh, man, we, we got back into 2006, and I kind of agree with Graham here. That injury was on Bergeron, not Carolina. And if Markkinen came in, he was unbelievable. If it was Markkinen who was dressed as the backup goalie in Game 1, it's a different story. It'll be Game 2, right? Didn't the Oilers win Game 1? Is that the Chris Pronger penalty shot? Mm, or did Conklin blow it? Uh, we have to go back and take a look at it. Maybe I don't remember it as much as I say I do. I was fresh 18 at that point. We were having a lot of fun that playoff run. It was a, a good time. And yeah, UC Marketing was good. You know, it gave the Oilers an opportunity. I'll never forget watching 
the uh, the penalty that Steve Stales took and almost gave the Hurricanes a chance to win it all or gave them a chance to win it all. And then Fernando Pisani scoring that goal. What a memory. Game seven never happened. Uh, still to come on this show, we will talk a little bit about those Oilers as they're down in Southern California. We'll preview the game against the Kings tomorrow and then the Ducks on Sunday. But first, we're going to hear another edition of Cam Tate's two-minute warning. Uh, Cam, of course, joins us every Monday and Friday at 2.40. Love these segments. Uh, Brandon, let's get into it. Thanks there. Con's the con man. I love it fast, Eddie here, reading. What's his name, Cam Tate's words? Today's topic, strength in numbers, when the calendar joyously flips over to 2024 Monday. We enter an Olympic year this time in Paris, as the world's best athletes show their stuff. The Paralympics will be in Paris, too, and that in itself was a huge wheel rotation when, in 1992... The Paralympics, for the first time, were held in Albertville, France, the same country as the Olympics. That's, let's see, add the one 31 years ago, I say it's time to push the inclusion envelope even further. Sure, the Olympics and Paralympics are in the same country, but, and it's a big but, almost three weeks later, the Olympics end August 11th. The Paralympics start the 28th. Very fine. But why? Why can't we have Olympic swimming events the same time as Paralympic swimming? Why can't we have track and field events, Olympians and Paralympians at the same time? Why can't we? Okay, you get what I am laying down, I think. Where I come from an athlete is an athlete is an athlete. Why can't Special Olympians? I really struggle with that name. But that's another two-minute warning. Compete in the same country as Olympians and Paralympics. We live in a world of inclusiveness and equal opportunity, Oregon. So we tell ourselves. So let's put this thing further so the world can see all in one place, all together, the athletic prowess of all athletes. And close your eyes, if you will, and imagine the medal ceremony with Olympians, Paralympians, and athletes with intellectual disabilities. And what if the medal count for every country was added together instead of three different categories? Because a medal is a medal is a medal, isn't it? The two-minute warning with Cam Tate, Mondays, Fridays. Jason Greger Show Sports, 1440. There you go. That is Cam Tate's two-minute warning. I agree. Why not? I mean, you could just make the games a couple days longer, a week longer, have those events included. I'm here for it. We'll see if it ever happens. I, I don't know, you know, what the difficulties would be. Does Is there more issues to it? You know, housing all the athletes in the Olympic Village? But I think that's a great idea from Cam. So uh, we'll see what happens with that one. But that is the Cam Tate two-minute warning every Monday and Friday here on the Jason Greger Show at 2.40. All right, now, why don't we bring in uh, Paul, sir, uh, Brandon? I think we got him ready to go in the studio here. Uh, it is the NBA report brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling, home, cooling, home of no payments, no interest for one year on your furnace. Have a warm winter. Go to LegacyHeating.ca. Paul, good afternoon. How are you doing today? Doing well. Happy holidays to you, Connor. You as well. Good to see you, Paul. Lots to get to in the NBA. Uh, I just want to start off with the Toronto Raptors because I can admit it. I am a fan of the team and I've long thought this and, you know, even prior to Kawhi Leonard, that this team is just kind of hovering in mediocrity. And until you get that top pick and you really get that stud, it, it can be tough to turn the franchise around. But the Toronto Raptors, it just seems it seems like they are what they are. And uh, I don't know if they're if they have a long playoff run ahead of them in their future in the next few years, unless it's like burn it all down, stink, and then just try to rebuild with top end talent. It's a tough, it, it, it's a, almost by design that they're this type of team right now. I really believe Connor, uh, they're building their future around, uh, around Scotty, uh, understandably. He's a great player. He's becoming even more of a great player this year. He, He's uh, demonstrating not just the ability to score, rebound, uh, block shots, pass the ball, but he's an energy guy too. So I think he's been, I don't want to say a pleasant surprise, but I think everybody's excited about his development this year. It's just that the other pieces don't work well together. And I think that Messiah Jury's style and the way he's gone about it just seems to equal this kind of outcome. I I really don't know how else to describe it because the pieces are odd. 
a lot of the same type of player. Uh, uh, the other day uh, on, a, on, his, uh, on his podcast, J.J. Redick was talking about how to be successful in the NBA today is you need at least four shooters. The Raptors struggled to have one. So they've, they went about it with this long, positionless type of athlete, but they really haven't paid attention to, uh, to shooters and to spreading the floor. And then the, the player that they drafted in Grady Dick has, not, has been a disappointment. But I would, to be honest, I challenge both the, the management and the coaching staff. I think they've done a terrible job of just letting this kid get out there and get and earn his NBA chops to see if he can play. But you'll never know if he's going to play if he goes back and forth from the G League and he gets two or three minutes in a game. So I, I just think right now the Raptors, by their, their, they're kind of choking on their own uh, or they're hanging by their own noose that they've created for themselves. When you look at Scotty Barnes, and I mean, averaging 20 points a night, uh, shooting just under 50%, looks like 9.4 rebounds per game, 5.9 assists. Do you think he can be like that upper echelon superstar player in the NBA? Maybe. I, I don't know yet. Like, I, I really, I, I, he's becoming better and better, uh, more and more versatile all the time. But when you're a real good player on a real bad team, you don't know how good he really is until he's able to play with uh, with good players around him. I think he can become a very special player. I really do. Uh, Pascal Siakam's a very good player. Gary Trent is a streak shooter. They've got weird pieces. Dennis Schroeder is not Fred Van Fleet, but on given nights, he's very good. I, I saw some of the media I thought was overly excited because uh, of an adjustment uh, coach made the other night and put Barnes at the point and brought uh, Dennis Schroeder off the bench. And there seemed to be an awful lot of euphoria about Scotty Barnes being the point guard. That was one game against an absolutely (laughs) horrific NBA team. So nothing to get too excited about right now. So long answer to a short question, but yeah, I think Scotty can be a real good player, whether he's upper echelon or not. I uh, top five, top 10. I, I, I don't know. But he's certainly a, a, a very good player that a lot of teams would love to have. And the Raptors need to find more and more ways to make him the center of what they're trying to do. Paul, sir, joining us here, talking a little NBA longtime pro player and coach. Uh, Paul, we're, we'll talk with the teams at the top, but I have to ask you about the Detroit Pistons, 2-29 and 29 on the season. I mean, things were looking good to start the year. They were 2-1, and one, and now they've lost 28 straight. It's actually yeah. pretty unbelievable what they've been able to do. Uh, in Detroit, is is this the worst team you've ever seen? No, uh, there was a <laughs> Philadelphia 76ers team back in the 80s. I think they went, well, now this Detroit team might, you know, might threaten them. Uh, but there was a Cleveland Cavalier team that was in their initial season and a Philadelphia 76ers team that were every bit as bad as Detroit. And Detroit has a couple of nice young pieces. They just have a just disaster of a franchise and you know, losing begets losing, like to have a 20 plus point lead against the Celtics and find a way to lose it in overtime the other night, <laughs> man, oh man, that's a tough cycle to break this though. What I would say would be, they're a very bad team. Can Toronto beat this very bad team? Or is this the team that Detroit's going to go into the game after just taking the one of the best, if not the best team in the NBA to overtime are they going to be go, are they thinking to themselves, we have a real shot at breaking this streak against this team? And what does that mean to the Raptors if they are the team that Detroit breaks out of its slump against? Oh, it'd be horrific. Uh, the Raptors in oh, Boston tonight <laughs> to take on the Celtics. <laughs> and then, like you said, heading to Detroit tomorrow. Back-to-back games. I mean, the situation might be as good as it could be for the Pistons. Now, you talked on the, the Boston Celtics there for a minute. Uh, right now, they're first placed in the Eastern Conference. Obviously, uh, Milwaukee's going to be a tough task in the Philadelphia 76ers. Only a couple games back. But when you look at this Eastern Conference, I mean, is this the year you think that the Boston Celtics can, obviously, they've been to the final, but punch on through and be a legit contender here for a championship? Well, I think so, and it, but it all comes down to health uh, because Porzingis, uh, when they have Porzingis in the lineup and with the emergence of Derek White as an elite NBA guard, I think they're the best team in, in the NBA right now, uh, talent-wise, one through five. I think that is the best lineup uh, in, in the NBA. 
they should be able to break through. They're well coached. Uh, they're seasoned. They've had the experience of getting to the finals and failing, which oftentimes is what has to happen in order to become a champion. You have to be able to almost taste it and not quite reach it like the Celtics have. So I really believe this team, if healthy, will be the force that you just described, Connor, to reckon with when it comes to the playoffs. Now, when you look out west, uh, it's cool to see these teams that for a long time, I don't want to say you know irrelevant because they weren't irrelevant, but they, they weren't the big franchises out west. And, and it's cool to see those teams start to kind of climb up and get their way back into it, maybe providing hope for some of the teams that are at the bottom right now. But the Golden State Warriors are a team we're used to seeing you know, in the playoff picture and, and being right there. And this year they're hovering right now below 500 outside of the playoffs. It's too early to write them off totally, isn't it? I think it is. They, they, they've, they've had injury problems. I don't know what in the world's wrong with Andrew Wiggins. I, I, I thought Andrew Wiggins became the new version of Andrew Wiggins when he was an all-star. They won the championship. But this year he has been mediocre at best. Uh, I don't know what's – you never know what's going on in a player's life, like what would affect him that way. But he certainly has not been the factor at 28 years of age you would expect him to be. Curry's been phenomenal. Thompson seems to be finding his rhythm again. Draymond Green is an absolute nightmare and head case that I think is a huge distraction to the team. But they have some younger players. Uh, uh, Podzemski, I think, I want to make sure I pronounce it correctly. But what a, what a find uh, as a rookie, atypical player. You don't, when he runs on the court, you don't think that's the NBA guy. That's, that's, but man, does he make things happen? So they're in the midst of this. Some of the younger players are starting to develop. If Draymond comes back with a lobotomy and actually can stay in the lineup, uh, they, I think, could find their rhythm as the year goes on. But the West itself, uh, as you uh, were mentioning, when you look at what Sacramento has become, and, and that is a team that if you haven't watched them play, you really need to because they're a lot of fun to watch play. But these small market teams, Denver, the defending champion included, have built through the draft and through very strategic trades. And now they're they're right in the thick of it in the West where you really thought this year it was going to be Golden State. It was going to be the Clippers. It was going to be the Nuggets, of course. But now you've got other you've got 11 teams, I think, that are in the in the mix that will be that will be it will be a very interesting ending in the west conference western conference i think at the end of this year i still think the nuggets are the favorites they've got the best player in the game in Jokic. jamal murray is right back into all-star form so i think they're the team to beat but there are a lot of other teams that i think are a genuine threat in the west i'm with you i mean and seeing like okc even the clippers sitting in fourth it's, it's good to see the Minnesota Timberwolves as well. A great start to the season so far. Uh, Paul, just one more question for you as we're looking around the NBA. When you look at the Rookie of the Year race, uh, Wemby is the name that I think a lot of people look at and all the hype that was surrounding him as he was selected by the San Antonio Spurs. But uh, who are some other candidates we could potentially see down the stretch maybe make a name for themselves in the Rookie of the Year race? Well, I, I mean, Wemby's a great player. He has not been a generational player. And by the way, at some time, I'd love to talk with you and uh, Jason about, is it time for pop to move on in San Antonio? Like, Mm -hmm. uh, because that's a bad team. And Wemby has not made a difference in the, in the W column thus far. And I think questions have to be asked and maybe it is time for a change there, but he's very good. Uh, We'll see how good he'll be over time. There's no doubt. He does some spectacular special things. But Chet Holmgren, I think, has surprised everybody in OKC. Uh, Gilgis Alexander may very well. He has to be mentioned in the top three for the MVP race this year. He's been phenomenal. It's been great to see Oklahoma City emerge the way they have as a team, as a unit. And a lot of that's due to Holmgren. He's very good. And if, if I had to vote today, I'd probably vote for Holmgren over Wemby myself because of the wins and the impact he's having on a better team, granted, but still, winning counts for a lot in terms of a player's contributions. But the third guy that I love, and I, I think this is a lesson that we always need to remind ourselves of, is he's not the he's not the post he's not the seven foot four uh, kid that Wemby is. But I, Jaime Jaquez, I is that 
Hake is I, I I don't have the pronunciation right, but in Miami has like look at how they're playing without Jimmy Butler, mm-hmm. and a lot of it is because of his play. Watching him last year at UCLA to me was a real pleasure. He is fundamentally sound. He's extremely tough, but he's one of those kids that gets uh gets his points and makes his contribution both ends of the court, rebounds the ball well, but finds a way to score and gets a lot of tough baskets. So I think I think he has to be mentioned because his numbers are comparable. And again, he has had a net positive impact that I think you really have to weigh uh, heavily in a rookie of the year consideration because Miami, which started out kind of stumbling along, have been, you know, have Jimmy Butler out of the lineup and they continue to win and continue to beat some good teams. And a lot of it, it comes down to Hakez's contribution. Yeah, four straight wins right now for the Miami Heat. I believe seven and three in their last 10, playing some good ball. Uh, Paul, thanks so much for doing this today. Really appreciate having you on and a happy new year to you and the family. Real pleasure, Connor. Happy new year to you as well. And uh, it's exciting time with, uh, with 1440 being such a force. And I'll tell you, I, real quickly before I go, I cannot tell you how many people I talk to who listen to Sports 1440 are just so excited about ta- uh, Sport Talk being back in spade in the community. And, uh, and so much of it comes from, uh, comes from this show and the, and the work that you do, Connor. So thank you very much. Oh, thank you, Paul. That means a lot. Uh, there you go. Long time pro basketball player and coach Paul Sir joining us here on the Jason Greger Show, as he always does, brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling. Check them out, legacyheating.ca. When we come back, we talked about rivalries a little bit. Do the LA Kings hate the Oilers fans? Do Oilers fans still hate the Stars and Avalanche and maybe the Hurricanes? Obviously, we know the Flames and Canucks are right in there, the Leafs too. We'll talk about that coming up next. Uh, our crack research team, Marty Stevens and Brad Slater, dropping off some information. So we'll get to that in the next segment. Let us know, one 401 1440 Who are your top three hated teams in the NHL? Or, you know, if you're a, a Raiders fan, tell us who they are from a, a Raiders fan perspective. Whatever it is, let us know which teams you dislike the most. Right now, we're going to get to an update brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling, home of the no payments, no interest for one year on your furnace. Have a warm winter. Go to legacyheating.ca. Here is Brandon Douglas. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 